Yo, I gotta sign that track. What is that track? What is that track? What's up, everybody? How we doing out there? I say, what's up, everybody? How we doing out there? A-D-E, All right, that's right. It's going to be the most fun panel by far that's a fucking guarantee. I don't even know if I'm allowed to cuss, but <laughs> that's how we do it in the U.S. tech house market. I got a quick question. Who here is from outside the United States? Nice, okay. Inside the United States. And who here is interested in how to better understand and find long-term success in the U.S. as an artist, manager, or an agent? Everybody's hands up. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's what we like to see. That's what we like to see. What's up, guys? I'm Matt Sherman. I'm the A&R Hood Politics Records. I'm going to be your moderator today. I'm also a DJ, producer, and event curator based in Chicago, Illinois. Super, super stoked about this. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. I'm going to let everybody do an intro. We're going to start with Carissa first. Sorry, Sue. Ladies first. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carissa Slozik. I am based out of Miami as an artist manager for Prodigy Artist. Um, over the past two years, I've also ran um, Chami's label, Confession as well as work for new management, representing Side Piece and Nitty, um, among other artists. So that's me. Kaysen. Hey, hey. Hey, I'm Kaysen, Nick Summers. Um, I'm a producer, DJ, and A&R of Repopulate Mars, South of Saturn and North of Neptune. And we got Sue up here. <laughs> What's good, y'all? DJ Susan. Yes, I am a man. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Shout out to everyone that showed up to the panel. This is such an important moment for us, and I'm so stoked to be able to spread the knowledge with you guys. Uh, I run, own, and created Hood Politics Records, coolest record label in the world, besides your guys' label, too. <laughs> um, no, it's not yeah. a competition. It's not a competition, is it? <laughs> yeah, I run Hood Politics Records. I started it about seven years ago and haven't looked back since, and everything has just been such an amazing, fulfilling journey of community and just making such great music and bringing the culture together. Um, yeah, it's my label and my life, and we're here to drop some sick knowledge on you guys. So Wow. Start of his autobiography. <laughs> I think we'll your autobiography, by the way, would be called, like, Standing in a Bowl of Guacamole. Yeah. No, it's called The Boy Named Sue. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway, this could go on forever. If you guys want to get to know us, come hang out after. Um, so I want to start this conversation by casting a pretty wide net, right? I know there's a lot of artists, managers, agents here, and we all want to know how can I be successful in the U.S. tech house market. We're going to start with Kaysen to talk about his label experience at Repopulate Mars. Just a few numbers for you guys if you weren't aware. Repopulate Mars is the number one label in tech house on Beatport, and it's number seven overall on Beatport. They've been around for seven years, and over the past few years, we've seen a huge jump from tracks like Drugs from Amsterdam, Sick. Here we are in Amsterdam. That's Shout out to Amsterdam. He never knew that was going to happen. And uh, a slew of other releases from established artists like Sid, West End, and upcoming artists like To Be Honest and Dark Heart. Nick, the typical foundations for a label and where you can actually grow is events, streaming, merch, and of course record sales. Tell me about each of those and how you guys look at them. Yeah, so for a while, Beatport was definitely our biggest earner and our main thing. Um, obviously, we're a DJ Ford label, but you know, recently we'd seen a huge uptick in streaming, especially post-COVID, because obviously with COVID, Beatport sales and all that went down a lot. So streaming was really up. I mean, streaming obviously is just getting bigger worldwide, and you know, with the with the, all the playlisting and everything like that. Uh, so that's a way that we've definitely been able to reach new audiences and new fans for sure. But I'd say Beatport is still, I mean, it's a really, really close second. I mean, it, there's something to be said about, you know, charting on Beatport, having all the DJs play the records, especially yeah. with, you know, tools like Shazam and all that, which are great for fans to find tracks, you know, that DJs are playing if they're released, of course. So Beatport is obviously still very, very important. And I know Beatport's really important to you guys as well. 
Um, but events, obviously events is, you know, a way to break into new markets for sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing is about events and, you know, I know you guys have experience with this too, doing events like in your hometown and, you know, your home city, it's like, that's great. You know, you, they'll go off, but where we've seen the biggest growth is when we do the events in other markets. So we did our residency last year in Ibiza at Eden, and that was it was difficult because it was our first time, you know, doing something out there. But we saw like a huge growth in the European market for us at Repopulate. Yeah. So and then just like newer markets, you know, South, South America, New York and such. So I'd say events have been really, really key as well, for sure. What about in the U.S., though? Because you guys obviously have a pretty big footprint globally just because of the amount of artists that you guys release with. Yeah. What are some cities that have maybe been surprising where you've had success? In the U.S. specifically? Yeah, in the U.S. specifically. I would say Austin. We did we did a show in Austin and it went really really well. Yeah, I mean, Austin's kind of popping. Yeah, Austin's pumping. I would say like obviously there's like the you know the cities you all think of like you know L A, Chicago, Miami, New York. But yeah, places like Austin, Seattle is definitely on the up as well. In general, Texas, I would say you know Austin, different parts of Texas is definitely getting a really big market sure. right now for sure. Got it. Yeah. Cool. And what about merch though? Merch, I would say, I would say the Hood Poly boys are a little bit more well versed in the merch department. We do do merch, and merch is definitely you know something that we should be better at. But I will say, you guys do a really, really great job with your merch and you know your city specific merch. Yeah, Sue, we got to get on that level for sure, man. Sue, tell us about some of the things you've done with Hood Poly um, that has worked and really resonated with fan bases, particularly in the U.S. across different markets. Hundred percent. I think all these aspects of running a label and what goes into making it so great, it all starts with the foundation, and that all starts with that reputation. And you got to start somewhere. And what was so prosperous for me and for us is that community that we built from the beginning. You know, whether it was artists in our own scene, artists from across this country, across the seas. You know, I wanted to be a label that I didn't get a chance to resonate with when I was coming up in the game. So creating this foundation and this community around everybody where we all benefit and we can build each other up and bring more people to shows and bring more people to the merch, but kind of just giving back to the community so they can give back to us and for sure. seeing all that snowball, yeah. Will you show us the shirt that you got on right now? Oh, absolutely. I've been waiting all day for so this. So this is the Hood Politics New York All-Star shirt. We've done this in Chicago. We've done this That's in dope. Miami. We've done this in San Diego. And it really resonates because just a small group of Americans or wherever they're from in these cities just absolutely fucking love <laughs> rapping this shit. And it's incredible to see. It's not even necessarily that it's making a lot of money, because it's not. <laughs> but it is establishing fan bases for us. So I recommend sure. anyone, if you're an artist, a label, if you're trying to build a reputation, get people to wear your quality merch that they want to show off to people, even if it's your personal brand, your label, whatever it is. That is a huge way because that's what we li the world we live in today, right? We have so much social media and ads and stuff. But you see your homie rocking hood politics or repopulator, probably your <laughs> artist shirt. You're like, what is that? They're like, dude, I met DJ Susan at this show. And he gave me this shirt for free, and he's the man. Yeah, come, come find me after the show. I'll give you the shirt straight off my back. Straight anybody. Up, yeah, yeah. But what's cool about yeah, what's cool about these all stars, like kind of the concept is like, you know, we all have our different scenes and we all have our different cities and, our, and what we have going on there. So this is kind of like a testament to like, you know, represent yourself and also your city and what makes the scene in your city and, you know, so special and kind of put on a yeah. little more than just for yourself. And like I said, that community, you know, with the San Diego and the Denver and the, you know, New York and all this all-star stuff, it's like a really awesome opportunity to get producers and everybody who wants to come together into this family and yeah. kind of have this foundation where we all support each other. My motto is always, you know, together we rise. So we're all about support. We're all about bringing it 
everything to the table for everybody. And yeah. you know, you're an all-star. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, Carissa, so you obviously come with a lot of background knowledge from behind the scenes, which I think is underrated. You're truly like the lifeblood of the industry, people like you. I really do mean that. I think they're underrated. Shout out, Neil. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you it was his birthday a few days ago, but you can tell him later. <laughs> so with your behind-the-scenes knowledge and breaking major artists, specifically on confession, like Matroda, Noizu, Mala, Wax Motif, all people who sell hard ticket venues out all across America, right? What have you done and what did you do in the beginning to help them break and also maintain that steam? 100%. So this isn't all just like the label. They, these artists obviously have teams as well, so yeah. it becomes a group effort. Um, going off of what you talked about, like the merch and the events, those are things, like, if you're trying to make it in the U.S. scene, you know, make sacrifices. Go show up to those places so you can get your name out there circulating. Build those relationships with those artists because, you know, there's certain artists that have leaned on Chami in the past. Um, I've seen it happen time and time again, and they came up through the scene because they had that association. They built out that network within the confession base house family, specifically. Um, and then, obviously, if you're going to go buy their merch, you know, they're going to hang out or not hang out mess with you i don't want to say a curse word but yeah. more like anyway time, so. right um but yeah no that's um kind of how i've suggested to artists that i've worked with at the label like that are trying to make it out in the u.s scene how they can you know get involved is you know by getting your name out there showing up to the events showing love sending your demos over to artists first to get it played out and see if uh you know dj susan or Kason will test it out before anyone else has a you know look at it so um, those are all things that I would For recommend. Sure. Yeah, and we're going to dive much deeper into like the actual ways to build relationships. I know there's, it's kind of convoluted. It's kind of gray. Again, we live in this social media world where you get a million messages, you get a million emails, and it's hard to find that trust. But there are ways to do it. Before we do that, though, I think it's really important to get the perspective from the artists up here, right? And Chris is going to be able to provide well-rounded perspective on this and one thing that i have learned on my own is fans lead to opportunities and growth because they are the ones who create demand right we all know people who have fake followers fake streams all that stuff that is a short timeline in the music industry if you want to last long and be the david getta the alesso all those people you got to stay true to who you are and focus on your fans because they're the ones who create the demand they are the ones like i said that say we got to go to the show we got to see this upcoming artist now from a creative perspective i think it's never been more important to have a sonic identity that's different i mean Kaysen tells me all the time how many latin tech house demos he gets right that's half of the demos done. we it's get doing done yeah it's insane literally we get, half we get all these you know edits for hood politics that like we've heard before that we just dropped like two months ago like look at the discography like you're wasting your time trying to send that to us but from a creative perspective originality per, uh, specifically whether that's in the studio worth content what have you been doing that's contributed to your success and we'll start with Kaysen. so yeah i mean right now the scene is ext i mean tech house obviously is huge and it's extremely saturated so standing out as an artist has always been important but it's most important now than you know than it's ever been for sure so definitely yeah. just trying to you know be aware of what's hot but don't use that as like a guideline for exactly what you're going to do because you got to understand like okay like he mentioned the latin tech house kind of a thing or you know a few years ago or the last couple of years it was like the 90s hip-hop tech house covers and stuff and that everybody was doing those and the thing is is like if you're doing the same thing that everybody's doing you're competing with everybody you're competing with a different oh yeah bigger pool of Write people. That down. Yeah, you're competing with a bigger pool of people, and you know, so it's kind of like 
when everybody goes left, that's maybe the time to go right. That's what I always tell people. So like the Latin tech house thing, for example, as I said, that's like 50% of the demos we're getting right now, literally 50%. There's nothing wrong with that, that subgenre. I love it, you know, and I play it out all the time. But it's like you got to really send us something that's like on another level in that vein for us to be considering it. So I say just, you know, be aware of what's hot, but don't use it as a specific, you know, guideline. Make sure that you're aware, but you're kind of doing your own thing and trying to branch off of what's the hottest little, you know, trend at the time. And I think there's a difference between being inspired and then, you know, mimicking um, someone else's craft. So, you know, no one's going to out Matroda Matroda. No one's going to out DJ Susan, DJ Susan. So, you not know, possible. sticking to... <laughs> no, they're not. Except <laughs> These no. are facts. Um, so sticking to, like, it, beyond, like, creativity, like, having authenticity, like, being genuine in what you want to create and, you know, sticking to that. And, you know, there's going to be an audience for everything, whether it's super niche because you're making, you know... I don't know, bro step in 2023, you know, there's an audience for that. Like people miss bro step. Um, so yeah, no, that's definitely just like another layer is like on top of the creativity, the authenticity piece yeah. as well. hundred percent. I tell a lot of the, the, you know, producers and students and stuff that I mentor, I go, the rarest thing in this industry is authenticity. And it's so easy to like be inspired and be like, Oh, this works. I'm going to mimic this and do this. And this is cool, I'm going to do this and reference this, and it literally all sounds exactly the same, and it's good, but I think the real value in music comes from something that's different and unique and taking a different approach to creating music, and it's non-linear, and people think it's just this straight line that, you know, creates you to success, but the weirder shit you make, the more fun you have, and the the lower expectations you have for the session or kind of take that pressure off yourself is when you get that diamond in the rough. The best music I've made, I've made in like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I'm like, this is so weird, but this is epic because it's different and it stands out. Yeah. And then we'll go through our demos and we're like, damn, I just heard the same song a hundred times. Yep. But then we'll just hear that random ass song that's like not as well produced, but we're like, that's, that's hot. It has character. It has that authenticity. And I think it really goes a long way for the artist to embrace that. And just embrace that individuality and not be afraid to step outside of the box or do something that's not working. You know? And make sure whatever like the sound you choose is your unique sound that you're absolutely obsessed with it because you know you're committing to this. And you know if people can sniff out when you're like, oh, but I kind of want to make tech- hard techno now because people are doing that, you know. And you're a tech house artist, like that's cool if you want to dabble doing that. But like, let's conquer the tech house scene first. So you gotta want to wake up, eat it, breathe it, sleep it, like. That's the type of obsess you need to be in order to have the longevity to like make it through all the trials and tribulations that it takes to go through on a come up. Very true. Very true. Yeah. No, I always like working at a label and as a producer, I always tell people like when you finish a track or when you're wrapping up a track, ask yourself like, what did you do in this track that's different? What makes it stand out? Like, what's that it factor, the earworm that's going to catch people that makes it unique? We get so many demos that are like fundamentally good tech house tracks. You know what I mean? They're they're great. They're 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 bangers, but. They don't stand out. They don't do anything that hasn't been done a hundred, you know, a hundred times or more. So we turn down tracks from honestly, you know, big artists all the time because they don't do anything that's different. So that's the thing is like, you know, as a producer, you got to ask yourself. And if you can't identify that, you know, specific element, that unique thing at the end, you probably need to work on the track more. And that's that that finished product that you're stoked on is going to come from having fun with music. You know, it, it turns into such a chore and a job for so many people, but it really is those sessions that you're like. I'm just going to fuck around and have fun that translate and just become the best work. And you can feel that too. 
always be having fun with music. Don't ever take it too seriously. My name is literally DJ Susan. (laughs) Don't take yourself too seriously. Just have fun and enjoy it. And I I think that's something so rare. And that authenticity is what just makes everything so beautiful and what's been so prosperous for hood politics and repop and prodigy and everything. It's it's just have fun and just, you know, fuck around and find out. Yeah. I think there's so much truth in what all you guys said. And one thing, a lot of producers are like, well, I'm a really good producer. I don't know my sound or I want to make content, but I don't know what to do. Listen to what Carissa just said, right? You don't have to copy, but be inspired. There's a saying that nothing is original, right? No idea came from nowhere. It was inspired by somebody else. So you can find that version of you within you. You just got to really work on it. And it's not going to happen day one. And we live in a world of imposter syndrome where you want to be there right now. I've been doing this for 10 effing years, and I'm still like, God damn it, you know? But you got to believe in yourself, and you got to have fun. You just got to surround yourself with people that believe in you, too. And that comes with collaboration with music, with content, with back end, with social media, with blogs, with management. Learn, grow, and you will achieve. I'm not going to end on that. That would have been sick, though. I'm going <laughs> to end. The, yeah. the, hard, over, over yet, so. the hardest thing to be in life is yourself, so stay true. Stay true. So... I mentioned building relationships in the United States, and I believe that this is the cornerstone of success in the United States, just because of how Americans are. One you know what I mean? Like, it's just what it's all about. So we're going to talk about how you can actually build relationships with labels, other artists, and of course, gig opportunities, because we all want to play shows, right? How many people here are DJs that want to play a show in the United States? You got your hand up right there. I love that. You're going to have a question in a little bit, I bet. <laughs> so we're going to start with Carissa. So you and your team, you've been in, you had your hands involved in a lot of parts of the industry. What are some of the steps that a manager or an agent takes when it comes to building relationships with key stakeholders at festivals, clubs, promotion groups? I think the first step is identifying who those key decision makers are and figuring out how you can get in front of them. And like I mentioned before, you know, showing up to festivals, making sure like you're rubbing elbows with those people and, and getting uh, the exposure to them and their teams and then fostering that relationship. Um, that goes for labels too. I mean, how many times have DJs sent like demos on demos and demos with like no response to certain labels? And you know, you, until you get in front of that person, they're not gonna be as inclined to be like, oh, I know that name, you know? They'll be more inclined to listen to your tracks if you've established that, that rapport with them. So um, that's definitely, for you know, festival talent buyers, you know, for label heads, like artists that you want to do direct support for, meeting their teams and stuff like that, is pretty key in what I've in every lane of tech house that it's I've sales. worked it's in. Sales, guys. literally, it's sales. You're selling yourself constantly, and you got to sell yourself to the right person, and that's what the game is all about. Yeah. Uh, let's go with Casey next, though, because I know you're gonna round it out with something epic. <laughs> The ADD's ADD in yeah, right now. Yeah, I can just feel it. He's his left leg's bump and he's ready to talk. I'm holding. <laughs> I'm just happy. Back though, I'm right just now. happy to be here. Let's go. Kason, <laughs> so Repopulate Mars is, of course, I said the numbers. It's one of the most high in-demand labels to release on because it does come with a lot of good strings attached. You'll play shows. You'll get support from the biggest of the game. Um, get to build relationships with people like you who can help you accelerate as an artist. If I'm getting into the game, I have good music, how do I actually build a relationship with a label like Repopulate? How do I submit demos, the whole nine? Yeah, so, I mean, she made a lot of good points about you know how you can build relationships with artists or labels that you wanna you know be involved in. And I'll say, like, 
you know, working at a label, we want to sign artists who want to be involved in the ecosystem of the label. So it's not just about an artist who just wants to send us music so we can release it. <clears throat> and like, we don't like, you know, when it's very transactional when it's like that, you know, you can tell somebody's just trying to do that. We, we prefer to sign artists that, you know, they want to be involved. So, you know, they're supporting our records, you know, they're, they're interacting with our social media, they're getting involved, they go to our shows. You know, we've had, we've had artists that submit demos and they show up to our shows, buy our merch and stuff. And it's it's like, as you said, you know, that kind of, you know, that gets, a, that gets, um, that we, we remember their names, you know, we'll remember their name when they pop into the demo box and all that. So yeah, get involved, you know, get involved in the ecosystem, I'd say, you know, and show that you're a fan of the label. Like I always tell people, if you're submitting a demo to a label, one key thing I always tell people is mention something about the label that you like, you know, mention, yeah. oh, by the way, this track you guys just released, I really like it. Cause it shows that you actually are a fan of the label. You know, it shows that you care. It shows that you're involved. It goes a long way. And that you've done your homework. There's a lot of demos I used to get when I was working at Confession that were not even close to our sound. So just also making sure that you've listened to the tracks from the last year, you know, cause sounds can change, you know, everything ebbs and flows. So just making sure you're up on, you know, what music's being released from that label because you'll have so much more credibility when you show up with a product that aligns with what that label is about. For sure. Obviously. <laughs> you would think. You would think. Yeah. And on, it's, it's an experience that I think people need to go through. I always say you need to make mistakes to learn from them. But just by being here, by the way, you guys have already made a first step in trying to approach this from a professional and creative standpoint to build those relationships. And when it comes to submitting music to labels, there are probably a lot of wrong ways to do it. But when it comes to the right way to do it, there's no one track. You got to build the relationships. You got to have the right music. I mean, again, like it all comes back to selling yourself. Like I'm not... I'm not a tech house DJ trying to release big room music. I'm not sending my music to those labels. I'm like really being curious and genuine about that. And I'm developing relationships with artists that may be released on the label to learn about the process. Respect the process. I would say that's really important to consider here too. You got to tell the Ben Hemsley story, man, because you just don't sign tracks for the first time. We get demos yeah. with the link in the subject line. And I'm like, I'm not even going to listen to this. That's my yeah. favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, I always tell, especially artists who are up and coming, you know, be realistic with, you know, set your expectations realistically. I mean, obviously shoot for the stars, but, yeah. you know, the thing is, is like if you're, it's your first couple demos, you know, you're kind of newer to the game, you probably aren't going to sign to a top label right off the bat. It's just probably not going to happen. Can it happen? It can. But yeah. I like, like he mentioned, we've actually only had one artist ever who debuted on Repopulate Mars, Ben Hemsley. Out of 200 releases that are coming out. And that, that's it. You know what I mean? So I'd say set your expectations realistically, for sure. You know, because I, I would say like a lot of artists, when they start getting to the point where they have music that's good enough to be signed, they get discouraged because they're only sending to, sending to the top labels. And they're only going, you know, the top 10 labels. And they're not getting listens or they're getting turned down a lot. And that discourages them. And a lot of people quit because of that. And I've seen it a lot. So there's so many labels out there, so many labels, so many resources to find new labels too. So, you know, you spread your wings and check it out. You know, I, you don't have to go for the top labels right off the bat. You really don't. You can grow, sign to some smaller, more mid-level labels. And a lot of times if you're trying to get recognized by some of these bigger labels, yeah. signing to those smaller mid-sized labels will actually kind of yep. get you more on their radar. You Absolutely. might not have been on their radar from the beginning. So yeah, that's a good way to do it Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. And also, you don't have to release on a label at all. Just yes. side note. Yes, yeah. True. So that one bar. thing that I True. love that I've seen in the scene this past year is Chase West. He's been re self-releasing all of his tracks, and he's making noise across the U.S. Um, he's getting plays at 
in LA, Miami, and uh, South America, like all over the place. But he's exclusively released for like through himself for himself. So not only is he collecting and owns the masters and the publishing, like he, you know, it's all on him. You know, it's his creative direction. He doesn't have to wait for labels to get back to him because a lot of it's a waiting game too. And if you want to get tracks out now to get your momentum going, you know, that's that's another way to do it. Absolutely. So touching up, <laughs> touch, touching up on, touching up on everything that you guys were talking about. You know, when, whether it's signing to a label or trying to get booked at a party, my rule of thumb is people only book who they know and who they like. And they're not going to know you if you don't ever take that first step in the direction of connecting with them, uh, putting music out. You know, if you're waiting for somebody to make something happen, it's probably not going to happen. I started my hood politics journey and really started my production journey when I created the label for myself, my homies, everybody that was tired of waiting around for getting their music signed. And, you know, I've had a long career of releasing on big labels, but that never would have happened if I didn't show up and support and make myself known. And there's so many artists that are just like, look at me, like I'm deserving of this, whatever, but they don't show any support. They're never there, you know, they're not showing up for the label and, you know, putting themselves out there like that and kind of just waiting, which is not, you know, good for anybody. And I think, like I said, you know, whoever books you and you get those opportunities, they know you and they know that they do support them. And I think that that's so overlooked in this day and age because, you know, everybody's entitled to what they want and has this yep. thing going on, but nobody wants to put in that work. And that really just starts with support yeah. and showing love and showing up. And there's people that will come to the Hood Poly shows or come to our events a hundred times over, they'll send a demo and I'm like, let's go. You know, that support, that love gets love right back, so. Yeah, that's, that's so true, so true. And you gotta remember too, like, if you play the waiting game, waiting to get on labels, waiting to do this, waiting to play that show, I want this, I want that, it's just not gonna happen because you're not making noise. You have to make noise for yourself. Do not ever be afraid to self-release. Yeah. I literally work at Hood Politics Director and I just self-release a track because I was like, I can't wait. Like, I want to get this out. Have some fun marketing. Think yeah. about the tools that we have as to us today, right? I know TikTok's kind of like, you know, a touchy subject sometimes because a lot of tech house producers are too cool for that shit. But guess what? <laughs> Look who's getting booked at big shows. Shipwreck, disco lines. These people are on headline tours right now because they leaned into it. And I'm not saying you have to do TikTok, but I'm just saying you got to find a way to differentiate yourself. One thing that I've learned is... I believe it's 75 to 80% about the brand and the marketing, and it's 20% about the music. Now, that's a big difference between a B artist and an A-plus artist, so you do want to have that music dialed. But you need to put yourself out there. You need to get feedback because as a producer, when you make something in the studio and you go, this is sick, and then you drop it, you go, I don't think that's the same song that I just released. <laughs> I don't know what the deal with that is, but when you start to release music, you're able to use things like Hyped It, free download gates, get real fans from your music that are actual fans. So use the tools that are free and accessible to you, and don't wait around on everybody that's being like, yo, like, you gotta release on a label if you wanna play this party, because you don't. Yeah, my, my entire life changed once I took accountability for my music and the direction and said, I'm not waiting for anybody anymore. I'm just gonna put this out. And once you do that, a beautiful things happen, because you know, you hold yourself accountable for that next release and then you start building that consistency and then, you know, a year down the line, you have 30, 40 tracks to show for yourself, even if it's just self-release, that people that you want to sign with will be like, wow, this is awesome. You know, it shows that you're consistent, you're committed, and it shows that you're doing the right thing for yourself and pushing in that direction regardless of what anyone else has to do or say. You know, waiting for someone to book me for a party or waiting for a label to sign me, I was like, what's... What's the point, you know, why can't I just do it myself and run and, and make something happen of it? And I'm glad I did because that history and that 
all that music and everything I had under my belt before I reached out to these majors and stuff helped substantially in that because if they were to check it out, you know, and I had nothing, big difference, you know. Yeah. yeah. Were you gonna say something, Carissa? No. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have the ability. That the important thing that again I want to make sure you guys get out of this is the United States aspect of it all, right? Like you can kind of just tell like the energy up here, you know what I mean? Like we talk super 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 fast. <laughs> Too fast. We're, we're really <laughs> fucking loud. You got to talk really, really fast. You got to get really, really loud. Yeah, yeah, America. yeah, yeah. But honestly, that's kind of it, though. We move fast. We're loud. We make noise. And you always got to think about this. The younger generation, there's so many elitists in the game on an international level. And I literally close my eyes because I'm so passionate about this. You have to think about the younger audience. Where are they? What are they doing? You want to make it as a U.S. Tech House DJ? Are you selling out frat parties? Probably not, right? These are the people that are having success because they see the frat parties. Those are the younger kids that are coming to the festivals, that are going to go to the club. Club culture is changing completely after COVID, right? Drinks are expensive. Tickets are expensive. People want the experience. They want to go see the artists that they saw on socials that give them that energy that they can go party with their friends. And I know, again, like, as a producer, not everyone is necessarily extroverted person that can entertain thousands, you know what I mean? But just find out your niche, lean into that hard, start really focused, and then start to open that net. And I think that you'll see success a lot faster than if you just throw a big net out there and you're like, I only got a guppy, this sucks. Yeah, and not only your niche, but your voice. You know, if TikTok's not a platform that you're comfortable with, then you know what, don't lean into it right away. You know, I wouldn't be able to go up and be like, hey, like, here I am DJing, do you like drop one, two, or three better, you know? Um, that wouldn't sound organic coming out of my mouth. Like, it would just be whack. It would be really whack. Yeah, that didn't sound good. Um, no, it, no, exactly, because it's whack, you know? So, you know, make sure that, like, say you don't like speaking, you know, on camera. Like, lean into Twitter. Look at John Summit. I mean, he's a man of many words on Twitter, you know? Yeah. He's got Twitter fingers. So, you know, but you don't see him. I mean, there are definitely videos that he pushes and, you know, content that he puts out there. But, you know, Twitter is like his bread and butter. He's on it like every hour. So that's his voice. And that's how he stays engaged with his community. But again, tying this all together, you know, on top of the creativity and authenticity piece, there's a consistency aspect to it as well. So making sure your sound, your content, your sets, and who you're associated with are all in alignment, you know, because if your sets don't match your, you know, what you're producing or like the content is like your logo looks like a dubstep artist and you're making tech house and playing drum and bass, like it just doesn't work because everyone's just going to be confused. So, you know, making sure that you create a solid brand identity um, and that goes as far as like a colorway for like what color schematics are you yeah. using for all of your stuff you know thinking of the little things that will like make everything tie together you know this to say yo I'm a tech house artist I want to make it in the US this is what I'm doing you know book me love that okay um, we could obviously talk all day because we do but th I want to give some time for Q&A does anybody have any questions yes sir so in the U.S., I feel like like the live scene, like streaming, and the way that artists are being developed uh, comes more from the live scene. So for example, I think the Troda, uh, at least from my point of view, from a Dutch label, is that through you know his e uh, EDC the bookings, etc., is that his brand uh, brand grew even more. <coughs> How important is it to get your artists uh, to release on, for example? Insomniac, uh, uh, Mars to also get those bookings going and to build his brand overseas. 
That's a really good point and something I forgot to mention. So when you're talking about your sound, you know, what labels, you know, would this work for? You know, you also want to take a look at like what labels are having parties in the US? What labels are doing showcases in the US? You know, things along those lines, it's super important to take into consideration. Um, you know, Terminal Underground had a uh, Miami Music Week art, uh, at Floyd, it, which is space, club space, if you're unfamiliar. But, um, you know, he, he brought in a bunch of artists to come play, Sam Pacho included, but also, you know, my artist Gallo, um, Truth and Lies, um, they, people from all over. So definitely, like, creating a sense of community from the, the label standpoint, and then as an artist, like, leaning into that when the, the labels are doing that. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, when you talk about labels like Insomniac and their sub-labels and, you know, artists the size of Matroda, let's not forget how long Matroda's been in the game. I think that's really important to consider, okay? Like, this guy was making G-House with Bijou like 12 years ago. That's true. And uh, I think a lot of people think it is overnight. It is absolutely not. It is, it is just not, right? I mean, it doesn't happen, especially in this day and age, so... I lean into what I said again earlier, like you have to really love it. Like if you don't get up in the morning and say, I am my biggest fan, maybe my mom, maybe my dad, because hopefully they are, <laughs> or like my wife, you know, because she has to be. But you, it's the only way you're gonna go the distance. And Matroda, amazing artist, amazing person. He's like the most humble guy ever too, right? Because he loves what he does, he's confident in his approach and he's still doing it because it's the same pace that he set however long ago. So great question though, man. Yeah. Who else? Yes. Uh, I was wondering, what are your top three agencies in the US, like based on kind of niceness and money? Because you don't want an agency that's like just about money. Top. I would say. In tech House specifically. Yo, shout out to Wasserman, let's go. <laughs> say Wasserman, WME, UTA. Yeah, yeah, the top yeah. the top three agencies kind of for house music, I think, in America would be Wasserman, WME, and UTA. They represent a vast majority of all the big house, tech house artists and stuff, and they're amazing. They all do an amazing job. I just recently signed with Wasserman from WME, uh, both great agencies, but both refined in their own way, in their own markets, and with their own values and kind of like their what they want, what their expectations, but... I'm very happy with Wasserman, where I'm at right now. My agents are absolutely crushing it. And uh, like I said, you know, none of this came overnight. This took a long time yeah. and a lot of uh, hard work, dedication, a lot of no's, a lot of yeses. But at the end of the day, if, like to even get into that, you have to just be persistent and never give up and just don't wait for anybody to tell you you're a rock star. Just be that and see what manifests and what unfolds. But obviously... You know, put that work in, make those connections, show up, and show that you're ready, you know, for that. Because it's a big responsibility, you know. Shows and tours and everything, like, it comes with its fair share of uh, expectations and stuff. But you got to be ready to take that step. And, yeah, I love the agencies. They're awesome. And, again, like, if you want to be on one of those agencies, are you in demand in markets where they can make a percentage of your booking fee? Like, really ask yourself that. Do I need a manager who's going to be able to manage my day-to-day? -day or is going to be able to manage my tour? Or do I need a stage manager, a tour manager? All these things, the team, right? Until you're actually ready for those things and you bring value, because this is a business. Let's not forget for one second that this is a business that we're in, right? And you have to be earning money to be in demand for agencies. So if you want to be on Wasserman, UTA, WME, you better have something to show for that because... 
they need you to be successful in order for them to have yeah. success. It, this came from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows from all different sizes. Thousands. Then, we're at thousands. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> thousands of shows. And then you hit that one day, you're like, damn, you know, I got a good little stride. And I feel like, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship to be had with the agencies and working together to create the next level of your career. Love that. Any more questions? What do we got? Yes, sir. There's a pretty big uh, disconnect, like, kind of as you were talking about with artists that are, like, the Latin tech house thing, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So I could go, and I can go on some Hub, and I can find thousands of playlists that are ready to accept Latin tech house. Now, if I create, you know, this brand, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, swing or, you know, jazz tech house, right? That'd be sick. Yo, let's do, definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> as you said, but as you said though, small like new artists are going to their first couple of releases. You notice that the artist doesn't have a lot of um, audience or streams to bring to the table when it comes to that deal when you're signing them, right? So there's two sides to that where it's like, well, I want to be able to pitch to repopulate Mars and say, hey, I have a monthly listeners of 100k. That makes it significantly, you know, right. get a bigger reach out of that record straight from signing that artist. Right. But they get that by being on playlists of popular sounds. Yeah. Unless you invest an enormous amount of money in... Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of labels who care a lot about social media following, how many monthly listeners you have. I would say I'm blessed to work at a label where we don't care about that at all, which is awesome. Like, we sign artists who have 1.5 million monthly listeners. We've signed artists who have 1,000. We've signed artists who have even less than that. So for us, our approach is, you know, music first and everything else. You know, if the music's good, it'll all fall into place. But, I mean, you will say, especially it's unfortunately a big thing in the U.S. market with a lot of these labels, they do care about about how many followers you have, how many monthly listeners you have, and like, you know, how many TikTok followers did it blow up on TikTok and all that. So you will see some labels and you are going to run into some labels that care about that, but um, there are also a lot of labels like us that don't care about that. Yeah, we don't care at all either. It doesn't matter if you have one follower or 100. If the music's cool and it's real, we're, we're going we're gonna, to... We've, we've legitimately signed some tracks with artists with like five followers. My- but the music's real and it's authentic. And, you know, I wanted to be a label that can support and push the next generation of artists. Literally. No matter what. Because Literally. there are those labels that are like, oh, no, you're not popping. But it's like, you know, you miss that opportunity together to create something special. And I'm so proud of what I've created because I've given a platform to hundreds of artists who need that push and that encouragement to take it to the next level. And it's so sick to, you know, sign artists on a poly a couple of years ago and then see them going to repopulate and blow up. And my personal favorite thing is when people will try to put me on these artists and be like, bro, check this guy out. Like, he's blowing up. We're like, Hood Polly did it first. <laughs> Hood Polly did it first. And one of the, one of the uh, cool things, too, is when Kazen very first started producing, we didn't even know each other. I found him online. I was like, bro, you are sick. We got to get you on the label. Let's go. You probably had, like, what, like 500 followers or whatever? Yeah, my first ever official <laughs> label release was with Hood Polly. Yes, yes. It's all about... SoundCloud free downloads, self-releases like we talked about yep. for years, kind of growing my profile. And then he reached out, and that was my first actual official release. Yeah. Sick EP. I get, I get really so is. much enjoyment and energy from supporting the next generation and being there for people that genuinely need it. And I feel like that push and encouragement when everyone else is kind of like, this isn't good enough, is, is detrimental, you know? It changes everything, and it's so cool to see the community build through that. Yeah, the playlist game, let me just answer really, really quick, because the playlist game is a hot topic, especially in the U.S., right? Like, I think there's a big difference to understand getting booked at a festival and then going on your headline tour. I personally think you should always be focusing on my own fans. Where can I sell tickets? How can I dominate my local market and then demonstrate that elsewhere? Then those festivals start to pay attention to you. Then it doesn't matter how many monthly followers you have because those 30,000 monthly followers or listeners or whatever they are are actual fans that are going to come see you and it yeah. will, you will go like this. 
right? You play that game, you're going to go up like this, and you're like, I got a million monthly listeners. I just paid $5,000 for this track. Like, okay, well, can't wait to see you down at 1000 in two weeks. You know what I mean? Doesn't last. Think about longevity every time. Love that question, though. Okay, first person with their hand up. Okay. Um, so when there's an up-and-coming artist, how, what's your professional opinion on them networking with artists who do kind of have a connect with some maybe rising, you know, um, Slap their names on your work and oh. not really contributing much to the work. Oh. So you're saying ghost production? Those extra plays because that person is kind of in the cut. And that's your end, but you, you don't even really know them, but now they're on your music. So on a track, like on a single, like it's just adding someone's name for like streams or something along those lines. Is that what I'm getting at? Person A knows the A&R, person B knows how to produce the track. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do see that happening a lot. I've seen it a lot of times. Um, I think it's kind of lame, personally, but it is a thing that happens a lot. I mean, I've gotten, I'm not going to name any names, but I've gotten demos from artists that later released, and there was other artists on there, and I'm like, this is the same track. Yeah, so it does happen it's a on lot. on the fine print. It happens a lot. I'm like, <laughs> hmm, that's weird. What did they add? A lot uh, of I smoke have... and mirrors out here. <laughs> a lot of smoke and mirrors. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah. It's reality. Okay, I want to get two more questions in if I can. Yes, sir, all the way in the back, and then we'll go to you, sir. Connecticut in the house. Yeah. My question is more just a smart side of things. Like myself personally, I'm a DJ. I was a DJ first. Now I play a little bit more live instruments. I have in the hybrid set. So I'm wondering, what do you guys see really in demand and working? Is it just a DJ set, a hybrid set, or a full-on live set? Um, I mean, obviously DJs are like massive in the U.S. The hybrid set thing I think is really, really, really cool, and it can help to make you stand out. I will say it's a little bit more of a a difficult hill to climb because it's definitely more niche. You know, it's like harder to get on certain lineups and certain clubs. They're not going to book you if you have that kind of a setup unless you're so Rufus is all right. Yeah, unless yeah, you're Rufus. Yeah. And like certain festival lineups, it's like difficult for you to get booked because it's like they can't really put you. So I would say doing that kind of a thing is awesome and it makes you stand out, but it's definitely a more difficult hill to climb because it's just harder. It's there's less places you can get booked, I would say. One of my artists has mastered eight instruments, so we, we've tried to have this conversation where we incorporate some kind of live play into the DJ sets, but for that exact reason, you know, the places we want to get booked, they're not booking acts like that, so we've kind of shied away from it, you know. But you do see, like, festivals like Three Points in Miami that's going on this weekend, you know. They invite Grimes, they invite Rufus the Soul, they have all these other, you know, live performances as opposed to what they're traditionally booking on the terrace at space. So it, there's definitely avenues for it if you want to lean into that. You just got to know that it's going to be very niche uh, market. Yeah, good question. Okay, all the way in the back. I'd like to know before you spoke about uh, the difference between uh, uh, releasing case in the label and considering independent. If we try to release independent, what can we do to like achieve what I think maybe label can do, like radio or helping or track list or... For sure. So um, there's a Tyler, the creator quote that I always reference back to is like when you no matter what you put out there um, in terms of like your art, you know, make sure that you're like telling people and letting people know, you know, there's no shame in that. So that's like the first step, you know, it's just like getting the word out there, like word of mouth, like also on your socials and everything. I like to have my artists create eight pieces of our content to engage the audience on one specific release. But there's also services 
Um, you know, like Relish. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. There's a lot. There's, there's a lot. Pro- we, can, we can give you some information to some people if you want to run campaigns. I mean, that's a great way to get your music on DJ's USBs. I think that's a really valuable way as well. Um, yep. If you want your music to be played. I mean, and that's another area of growth that we need another session for, honestly. Right. And there's PR companies, too, that you can get, like, press releases written up for you um, and then sent over to, you know, all the big blogs and stuff like that. You know, there's a number of different things that you can do, but those are all things that you can pay, you know, if you want to invest in your project and that release specifically, by all means, go ahead and do it because it helps. Yeah, also, you know, find artists and people that you like and respect and send your music to them. Shoot your shot. You know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and there's been so many times where I'll just send my music out blindly to people and artists I like and they'll play it and you know that would never happen if you don't just try so yeah there's there's ways to go about it with you know big PR and pay but I think just organic sharing it you know SoundCloud too is really 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 dope we do a bunch of free downloads with like download gates where like artists who want to download have to like repost and share that stuff and I think that's so incredibly dope of SoundCloud they have that share option because it just spreads all around underrated stuff. the line and everybody sees it and more people see it but yeah that's what i would definitely recommend doing putting your self-release stuff for free download running it through a download gate and for sure getting organic followers and getting your music shared all around okay so we're about done um before we go i want to personally invite you all to our show on saturday free guest list hit me up at sherman the booth on instagram bring as many people as you want to we're sh- showcasing hood politics. Me and Casey are going back to back. Sue's going back to back with Don't Blink. Carissa will obviously be there. I'm seeing. We can celebrate Neil's birthday. Our boy uh, Diaz is over there. But there's a lot in the U.S. tech house market. And I hope you guys walked away from this understanding what is really in it for you. And there is a lot in it for you, but it is up to you. So, my yeah. job. And y'all can do whatever you Maya? want. Yeah, I could call D. Yeah. <laughs> the world is yours. The world's waiting for you. Get out there. Give it it's all you got. Awesome Have job. fun. And uh, know that what you're looking for is looking for you. So. Yeah, and come up and talk to us right now if you guys got any more questions. Thanks so much, Thank you, guys. you guys. Yes, proud There's of all you guys. Here, though.